Before we get into the Word today, I just want to share with you, we have now officially got a children's program available. Uh, We have curriculum set up, we have lesson plans ready, and so if you know somebody who has a child that is looking for a church, tell them you have a place for them. And so uh, we are excited to have that this morning, and uh, just so you can give them the information, the way we're going to do it is we're going to have the children in the sanctuary during worship, and then after worship, they will be dismissed to go and have a lesson of their own, because we believe that children are never a nuisance in the sanctuary. They are a blessing. There's a reason why, and I I don't want to get too preachy on this now, but there's a reason why Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Because they have a heart that is in tune to him. And I get blessed watching children worship because it is amazing to see their passion uh, and, and their heart towards the Lord and the way that they don't care what you think about them. Little Eleanor was in here this morning just standing in the aisle dancing to the worship and she did not care what anybody thought. In fact, she was probably wondering, why aren't you guys dancing with me? And so I love that. And so just so if you want to share that with a family member or a grandson or granddaughter that has some children and they're looking for a place to worship, uh, we now have that available uh, for them. And so we're excited about that. And uh, moving forward, it's going to be a great, wonderful thing because we want this place to be filled with children and youth and young people uh, to see this, this church go for generations and generations and generations. And so uh, that is the plan and the mission. With that being said, if you've got your Bibles with you here today, if you would go to Jeremiah chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6 today. Jeremiah chapter 18, and when you got it and you're ready, if you don't mind standing to your feet for the reading of God's Word as we reverence and continue on with some more Christian calisthenics of up and down. Nobody's laughing this morning. Did y'all get your extra hour of sleep? Did y'all take advantage of it or did you just stay up later? Because in your head, it's not midnight, it's only 11. And uh, you'd normally go to bed at 9, but for whatever reason. uh, This morning, uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. And this is what it says. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Lord, I pray that you would just add your blessing to the word today. God, that you would anoint my lips to speak and anoint our ears and hearts to hear and receive today. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. This is a wonderful, wonderful story in the Bible. It's, it's one that I reflect on often. Because sometimes I just need a good reminder that God is still working on me. That he is moving and shaping my life and me as a man and as a person and a follower of Jesus every day. And that's what he's telling Jeremiah in this scripture. Jeremiah is having this revelation that, hey, God is constantly molding and shaping his people. 
And that's a powerful thing for us to remember in our lives today because we need to understand that we are works in progress. That we, we all have stuff that needs worked on. We all have stuff that needs molded and shaped. And, and I think we would be wrong to say that we are a finished product at any point in our life. Because the Bible tells us, and Paul says, he says, He who began a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus. Meaning, until you die and go to heaven, or Jesus comes back and takes us off this earth, he is continuing to work on us. And so Jeremiah is having this revelation in this moment. And I like in this scripture how it starts out where God speaks to Jeremiah and tells Jeremiah, hey, go down to the potter's house so that I can speak to you. That just really dawned on me as interesting because he's already spoken to him to give him the direction to go to the potter's house to get more speaking to happening for him. And so to me, I, I read this and it, and it struck me and God gave me the revelation that there, are, there is a level of speaking that happens outside to yourself on your own, but there is another level of speaking that he does that only happens within the potter's house. Let me break that down for you in, in other terms. You see, you can read your Bible. You can pray, you can listen to your worship music, you can have your own devotional time, you can do all of that, and there's many people who said, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, I can do all that on my own at my house, I can turn on Facebook Live and watch 17,000 different churches at one time, and I can get all these different, why do I need to get up and go somewhere? And the reality of it is, is there is a limit to what God speaks in those private moments of your life. Now, I, I get it, there are grand things, God will speak powerful things, he'll speak deep things, and it is wonderful, and it is great, and I'm not downplaying that at all, I'm not saying that that is insignificant, because in fact, it is just as significant, but functions differently in our life. There are some words that God reserves for his house. There are some things that you will only ever hear and you will only ever get the revelation of if you enter into his house to hear it. Because there, are, there, there is a limit to our own understanding in our private time. And, and, and the Bible even speaks to how powerful it is when we gather together. Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering together to worship. And, and Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst with them. There is something powerful about coming together into the house of the Lord. There is something powerful about a presence of God that comes down in a time of unified worship together. And the place that we get that is in his house. And but so many of us, we, we, we kind of went through that season of the COVID stuff and, and the lockdowns and Facebook Live Church, and we did what we had to do, but some of us never got back in the rhythm and in the discipline and in the desire uh, to get back into the house. Three years later, it is amazing to me to look across the board and see how many people no longer even go to church because of that season of life. But then it makes me wonder, why did they go to begin with? 
Was it just out of habit or was it out of a desire to hear from God? I hope some people wore some steel toe boots today. Listen, I get that there are life circumstances that happen. And there are, there are seasons where you physically are unable to get here for whatever reason. I, I understand that. Please, please don't, don't be too hurt by that. But there is, there is a difference between somebody who really absolutely cannot get to the house and, a, and then there's the other type of person that there's a difference when they are just finding every excuse in the book to stay home. There are seasons where you cannot leave your home. There are seasons where things happen, where you might have to work once in a while, where you have to take care of a family member once in a while. Maybe you just happen to go on vacation, but the issue lies when the heart no longer desires to be in the house of the Lord. And it, and it breaks me and hurts me because the people that stay out of the house of the Lord end up missing out on everything that God wants to speak to them in his house. And the reality of it is, and if we're really going to be honest about it, the people that feel that way probably don't have much of a private time with God either. Because if they did, they would hear him like Jeremiah did say, get down to the potter's house. It's so important for us to gather and worship together because there are specific words that God reserves for his house that we will only hear when we enter into his house. And you won't hear it any other way. It is so important for us to make being in God's house a priority. And I know I'm preaching to the choir today because you're all here. And I get there are some others who were sick, and I, I've heard this morning we have a few that are sick and, and a couple that are out of town visiting family, and I, that, I understand that. But I, I want you to understand that their heart missed it because they felt it was important enough to say that they wouldn't be here because they felt a longing and a desire to be here. So I'm not too worried about them. The people I am worried about are the people who no longer have a heart turned towards God and want to be in his house. And I say this as a warning to those of you who are here today that do have that desire to always be in the house of the Lord. Don't ever let yourself become complacent to it. Because there are things God reserves for his house that you will not hear in your own private prayer life. I like how when Jeremiah gets there, he... He's observing what's happening, and, and I, I see what happens in the potter's house in this story, and I see how uh, it, it shows the work that God does within his church, within his people. Because you see, you see Jeremiah gets to the potter's house, and what he sees the potter doing is sitting at his wheel, building a vessel. I love that. Because when you look at the word vessel, the word vessel is in the Hebrew, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but I'll tell you what it means. It is a generic word used to describe an instrument or a tool used for a specific purpose. It, it, when you study this, and I've, I've got the resources if you would ever want to look at it and question it, 
But it says it could be used to describe a weapon used in war. It could be uh, agricultural tools. It could be housewares. It could be kitchen tools. It's used to describe a vast variety of tools, but it means vessel. It's just something that can be used by the one who made it. And I find that to be extremely powerful because, you see, when we come to the house, we're not just here to sing songs and to hear a fun little message and to move on with life. We're here to be molded and shaped by the potter himself. He is molding us and shaping us into a vessel that is to be used for a specific purpose that he had in mind. You see, when the potter sat down at his wheel to start molding and shaping this clay, he he didn't just like willy-nilly sit down, slap the clay, and just start whatever happens, happens. No, in his mind he said, this lump of clay is going to be a teapot. This lump of clay is going to be used to serve the king at his table. This lump of clay is going to be molded and shaped to be this or that. He had in his mind a purpose for it as he began to sit at his wheel and mold it. But you see, if you're never in the potter's house, you never get to experience that working. There is a molding and a shaping that happens in his presence and in his house. It is so important for us to be on the potter's wheel. But you can't be on his wheel if you're not even in his house. He sees the potter making vessels. And, and I find it, I find a lot of uh, correlation between the journey of the clay becoming a usable vessel and the life that we live. First, the clay is harvested from the ground. There are certain areas that you can go and dig and different types of soil. I did all kinds of research on that this week. It was very interesting. But in summary, you can, there's different kinds of soil. Some work a little bit better than others. But the reality of it is, is there is a digging that has to take place. There is a, a work that has to p- take place to remove it from the ground, remove it from the earth, and to mold it and to shape it and get into the rest of the process. But I find it interesting that just like the clay is pulled from the earth to be molded and shaped into a vessel that is to be used for a strong, powerful purpose, that God also molded and shaped us out of the dust of the earth. He formed Adam out of the dust. And the Bible says, from the dust we came to the dust we shall return. I find it interesting that he uses clay as as almost like a metaphor for us. Not almost like, it is a metaphor for us that I pull you up out of the ground. I I rescued you from underneath the dirt and the, the nasty, unusable mess. I dug you out. And the next process is, is you have to take the clay and you have to separate all the stuff that is mixed into it that doesn't doesn't belong, that prevents it from being usable, to be useful. Like you have to, there's a few different processes, but one of them is you set it in water and over time you let it set and what happens is all the dirt and the grime and the rocks and everything else naturally separate themselves from the clay so that the clay now is free from all of those things that would prevent it from being molded and shaped and used for its purpose. I find that interesting today because when God pulls us up out of the ground and rescues us and begins to work in us, he he takes us through a process that removes all of the things in our life that prevent us from being used and molded and shaped by him. 
So he pulls us up. He cleans us up. He separates all of those things. And in his mind, he has a predetermined purpose for our life. He puts us on the wheel. And he begins to put his hands on us and shape us and mold us. And, you know, a lot of times we think that the hard part is the separating part. But really, one of the hardest parts is the molding part because at that moment in time, we were one thing and we were one way and we were in the ground and we were just hanging out there, but now he's pulled us up and all of a sudden he starts doing things to us to shape us and mold us, to form us into what he wants us to be. And that requires pressure, that requires pain, that requires giving up the way you used to be and the way you used to look and the way you used to act. See, before we would just, we were kind of useless to be honest with you, but he gives us a purpose. But as he begins to mold us and shape us, he begins to move different parts of us around to get us lined up to where we can actually be used for something. That's when things get get a little tense. That's when things get to be a little painful. And we see in this story, it's during that process that the clay becomes spoiled. It's during the process of God molding and shaping us that we usually get cold feet and say, I don't like where this is going. I'm going to do my own thing. And what happens is is we become spoiled. We become messed up because we decided that we know better than the potter. This is true for acts of sin. You see, sin is no different than doing your own thing. It's rebelling against God. When we go to serve our own will and whatever that may be, if God calls you to preach and you say, no, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this instead, that's just as sinful as committing an obvious sin because it's rebellion against God. And so we become spoiled in those moments, and we, we get messed up. But I, I find it interesting, because it says, it says the, the clay became spoiled in the potter's hands. And it wasn't the potter's hands that spoiled it. It was the lack of cooperation from the clay as the potter was trying to form it that made it become spoiled and ruined. But what I love about that is that even when it became spoiled, it was still in the potter's hands. The potter didn't throw it out. The potter didn't discard it or replace it. The Bible says the potter reworked it. Completely, he he took it and he said, okay, it got messed up. Let's start over. Let's make this thing new again and let's begin this process again. The Hebrew word there for being reworked means to turn back. Mostly used in the context of turning back to God. You find it used in other scriptures when it talks about people turning their hearts back to God to serve Him again. What, what it, that just reinforces the idea that the reason we became spoiled, the reason we became ruined, is because our heart turned away from God. There it is. And that's true from the beginning. 
Adam and Eve, their heart turned away from what God had said to what they wanted. When we are born, we are born and conceived in iniquity, the psalmist said, and we are born into sin. We are born sinners. Our natural instinct is to rebel against what God said is true and what God said is right. And I see the gospel picture in this moment because I see in this the people of God and humanity in general started out in great relationship with God where Adam and Eve walked through the Garden of Eden with God in his presence, in his fullness. But then they had a corruption that happened as God was moving the world forward in that plan and, and, and all of a sudden, they, they became rebellious. Their heart turned away from God to serve their own desires because of the lie that they heard. And now all of a sudden, all of humanity has come under the curse of sin. And now God has been working all throughout history to rework humankind, to be brought back up under him, to be formed into a vessel fit for service through the blood of Jesus. I see the gospel in this, and I see how we as God's people go through this process where we have been rescued, where we have been cleaned up even, and for some of us, we're still maybe in that cleaning process, and we're wondering, well, what is God's purpose for my life? Well, you better just get ready, because at some point, he's going to stick you on the wheel, and that next season of your life is going to be a season of formation and being given your purpose and assignment that he has for your life. Now, I think sometimes in the church, and and I see this a lot in the younger generation, was we get really caught up and obsessed with purpose, and we have this idea of what a purpose is and what it should look like based on what we see in other people. But the reality of it is your purpose might just be to be a good grandfather, a good father, a good mother. Your purpose might be to go to the mission field. Your purpose might be just to greet people at the door. Your purpose might be different for everybody. That's why I love how the Hebrew word for vessel is just a general term that fills a lot of holes because there are so many different plans and purposes that God has for his individual people that it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing how uh, Paul even teaches about it in the New Testament uh, where he says that there are many parts of the body and each part has its purpose. If we were were all a mouth, who would do the listening? If we were all a hand, who would do uh, the walking? We, we all have our own purpose, and I don't want us to ever get so hung up on this grandiose purpose of everybody's called to a pulpit, everybody's called to big, wonderful, uh, immaculate, crazy things, because sometimes our, our biggest calling and our purpose is to humbly stack chairs. And there's nothing wrong with that purpose. But I think one of the reasons why we become spoiled is because we don't like the way we're being molded and shaped. So we try to form our own path and our own purpose. We try to tell the potter what we should be rather than just letting the potter do his thing and work in us. And we say, well, it's not good enough for me. But you don't understand the vital piece that you play in the puzzle. If it wasn't for people who stacked chairs, cleaned restrooms, 
vacuumed the floors, if it wasn't for people who made a hot meal for somebody in need, if it wasn't for people who smiled and greeted at the doors, if it wasn't for people who did the humble jobs that nobody really wants to talk about, nobody really thinks is glorified, if it wasn't for those people, the church would not function. The body of Christ would not function. So don't get so hung up on this idea of, well, this might not be my purpose because it's not this over here. But what if that really is your purpose? What if your purpose is just to raise godly, God-fearing children? What if your purpose is just to set an example to your family that they may come to know Jesus, but we get so hung up on pursuing something way out here that we miss what God has called us to in this moment? And maybe there is something great and wonderful that big out there, but the, what, if I've learned anything in my life is you have to be faithful over little before you can be ruler over much. You will never reach whatever that vision is you have for your life if you cannot be faithful with the moment you're in now. And some of you may be saying, well, I feel like my time of that stuff is over. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God still has a purpose for your life. Your purpose doesn't end when you think it ends. Your purpose ends when God calls you home. And then your purpose becomes to worship him in eternity. But while you are still on this earth and while there is still breath in your lungs, there is a purpose for your life. And it may not be this, this painted picture that you have in your mind, but maybe it will be someday. But right now, focus on where you are and what the potter is doing in your life in this moment. But we become spoiled, and I love that the potter is so patient with us that he doesn't just throw us away. He just begins to rework us so that way we can be reformed and get back on track to becoming what he wants us to be. As we continue to look at the potter house and the vessels being formed in the house. There's such a wide variety of purposes, and he's given shape to that. There are so many things in your life that you have walked through and been through that have kind of brought you to this moment you're at now. There's been pain, and there's been joy. There's been suffering, and there has been healing. There has been tears and there has been laughter in your life. And maybe you've leaned one side more than the other. But the reality of it is, is through your life, God has been molding and shaping you in every aspect of it. And so in every moment of your life, the potter has had his hands on you. Whether it's been pulling you out of the dirt, whether it's been separating all the junk from you to make to allow you to be useful, whether it's been molding you and shaping you on the wheel, and even if you've become spoiled and messed up and he's reworking you, his hands are on your life. And he's giving you shape. Everything you've been through is for your good. I love, I love that scripture. It says... We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his what? Purpose. Everything is leading us towards his good purpose. 
Not that everything is good, but it's leading to something good. And it's his purpose for our life. You see, after the shape has been given, there's this final step that happens before the the vessel can be sent out for use. Is the vessel, the clay that has been molded and shaped, has to be put into a kiln, a, a furnace, to be heated by fire. It's a trial by fire in a lot of ways. Because if you put a, a clay vessel into a, a kiln and it has blemishes in it, there's a good chance that it will explode inside of that kiln. There's a good chance it will fall apart and it won't work out. But more importantly than that and more, more significantly than that for us today is understanding that when we walk through the fire, and it's usually after you've kind of figured out the direction you are to head with your life, the purpose you are to fulfill in your life. It's that you will walk through a season of fire where it feels like everything is against you. It feels like, I just don't know any other way to describe it other than the heat is turned up in your life. And it seems like everywhere you go, there is some kind of pressure. There is some kind of heat. There is, you're always facing the fire. And that is just a season, but it is a season designed not to break you, but rather to get you to keep your shape that God molded you to. You see, you can't be released for your purpose unless you can hold the shape that God gave you. He's not going to take a vessel that he has just freshly molded and is still wet clay and try to pour water into it and let it hold water because the reality of it is, is it would destroy the clay. He's not going to take wet clay or, or even because it's a generic term used for vessel, he's not going to take a freshly forged uh, weapon of war that has not been properly hardened in the fire as a sword or a spear tip and send it out because it's not going to function properly. It's not going to hold its shape. You see, the purpose of the fire is after God has molded and shaped us and has begun to set us on our way to fulfill everything he wants us to fulfill, it's that we walk through the fire and, and, and for the reason of keeping shape when we step into that purpose. This, this, this whole process that we see in the potter's house here in Jeroboam, 18 is God molding and shaping his people and and putting him through this process so that way they are ready to be used by him. The reason it took Israel so long to get to the promised land is because they became spoiled too many times. They spent a lot longer in the wilderness than they really needed to because they decided, I know better than the potter. But eventually they allowed the process to be finished and they got to the promised land. But I want us to understand today that we serve a God who is a God of process just as much as he is the God of instant gratification. We get so hung up on the instant miracle. You know, we see other people get miracles, and we think, wow, God did that so fast. But you have no idea how long that person had been praying and seeking God for that. See, we just... We just see the result and the fruit. We don't see how long it took for that thing to develop roots and grow. 
But we have a God who is a God of process. And part of that process is very painful. But on the other side of it is your purpose and being everything that God wants you to be in your life. And you might be sitting here again thinking, my time is over. This has nothing to do with me. And I would reply, the devil is a liar because there is still breath in your lungs. There is still purpose for you in this life. Well, I'm too tired. I just, I don't think I have the energy for that anymore. God will give you the energy. And maybe he's not asking you to do something that requires all that much. And in your mind, you are still stuck evaluating purposes as these big, grandiose commitments that that take on so much, but the reality of it is he might just say, will you bake a hot dish for this person in need and take them a meal today? Will you just pray for somebody today? Will you shake somebody's hand and welcome them to the house of the Lord? Will you be a greeter? Will you just do what you can? Sometimes that's all God asks us, but we overcomplicate the things of God. And we miss out on the blessing of being obedient and serving him. And we miss out on being the vessel he wants us to be and has worked so hard on us to be because we get hung up on this idea that we could never do it. And I really want us to understand today that God has so much purpose for all of our lives, has such a grand plan for each and every one of us, And that plan looks different for each and every one of us. But one thing I do know is that your your purpose is supposed to connect to the person next to you's purpose, which is supposed to connect to that person who's sitting next to them's purpose. And they all connect to work together to function as the body of Christ. And so here is my challenge for you with this message, is to seek God and say, what what part do you want me to play? Do you just say, Lord, do you just want me to show up and help pack meals for Thanksgiving? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Maybe it has nothing to do with what you can do here, but maybe there's something else in your life that God has put a burden on your heart for, and you've been ignoring it, thinking that you can't do it. Or maybe you just need some encouragement today because you have been doing it and you're a little bit worn out from it. I want to encourage you that a lot of times this process is not just a one-time deal. But rather, I believe sometimes the Lord remakes us after the process is over into an even larger vessel. Because what he sees in us is that we were faithful as the cup. Now, He's going to make us into a bowl. And now he says, oh, you've been faithful as a bowl, so now I'm going to make you into a a vase or, or a pot. And he just continues to give us increase because we've been faithful in every season. And so for some of us, the issue is not that we're not submitting to the process, but rather it's we've submitted to the process and God is rewarding us with Increase of responsibility, increase of capacity, increase of all of these things, and it requires the process again. 
And so I want to encourage you today, if you feel like you're just going through it again and again, and you're like, I've done everything I can to serve God and, and live out the purpose he's given me, but it just seems to be it's always more difficult. It's always more pressure. It's always more happening. It seems like I just can never catch up. Uh, it's always above me. There's a reason for that. It's because God has entrusted you with little, and you have been faithful with little, and now he's making you ruler over much. And really, there's a whole other sermon I could go into on that, and I'm not going to. But I, I will end with this statement. What part of the process are you in, and what is keeping you from moving on to the next season of the process in your life? Will you bow your heads with me today?